episode 137, Maureen Fagan. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Gut Plus Science listeners, we are highlighting outstanding leadership in the healthcare industry all month long. And here's our first episode to kick things off. Dr. Maureen Fagan, one incredible chief nursing executive, is back on the show with us today. And this time, I have a co-host joining me to dig into trust building with Maureen. We're talking about creating a safe space for people to share freely. My co-host is David Black, co-founder of Even Health, a digital wellness company improving access, rebuilding trust, and removing stigma in mental health for our healthcare workforce. Their flagship product, Cabana, is so cool and currently supports over 70,000 healthcare workers in the U.S. through professionally moderated group classes and trainings. They've pioneered a first-of-its-kind technology designed to foster psychological safety in virtual group experiences. David is ready to dig deep into trust, and he's going to kick off the conversation. Here we go. Thank you so much, Nikki. I'm excited to join the conversation today and even more excited to introduce our guest, Dr. Maureen Fagan. Let me just give a quick background. Dr. Maureen Fagan is System Chief Nurse Executive and Chief Patient Experience Officer for the University of Miami Health System. She began her career as an OB-GYN nurse, but has held multiple leadership positions in nursing at Harvard Vanguard Medical Associates, as well as Brigham and Women's Hospital. She's a nationally recognized speaker for the voices of patients and families, and she was designated a fellow in the American Academy of Nursing, the highest national nursing distinction based on leadership, nursing excellence for her body of research and operational expertise in patient engagement. And her current role is responsible for building a culture on best-in-class patient experience, quality care, safety, and employee engagement. Maureen, thank you so much for being a part of today's conversation. It is just a thrill to get to speak with you. You have so much in your background with patients and with employees. I want to focus in today on building trust in our conversation. What have you found to be the foundation for trust building? So thank you for having me, first of all. I really am thrilled to be a part of May's Mental Health Awareness Month, and I think it's incredibly important. I think the foundation for trust is really twofold. As a nursing leader, as a leader in general, you need to show up. You need to actually come out and be a part of your unit or your group in ambulatory, whatever group you are leading. But then you also need to listen deeply. And when I talk about that, I make sure that I explain listening deeply is really not interrupting someone so that you get a very robust and rounded idea of the critical issues and the contextualization of why are these folks saying what they're saying. And I think that that's really key. Well, Maureen, it's so great to have you back on Gut Plus Science. I had so much fun in the last episode and great to co-host with you today, David. I really am excited to dig into trust building and how to, as a leader, create a safe space for that to happen. Maureen, what are your thoughts on how the organization leads trust or enables it to happen throughout the organization? There are many ways to be able to gain trust, and it really circles around how you are communicating as an organization. So you're seeing multi-channel dimensions of how to communicate with your 
current team, your team that is your tight-knit group, but then as you go up the leadership chain or you're moving around in a matrix organization, you really want to be able to communicate broadly. And for that, we have seen successful models where you have town hall meetings, you have the written word, you have newsletters, you have open houses, you invite groups of staff out to lunch in a certain part of the cafeteria so that you're really using a lot of where you are nestled together to be able to take a moment or take a half hour to sit and talk a little bit more and to contextualize. But then also, if you are thinking about and wanting to share information about needing to be transparent about a problem that's happening, I think those arenas are important as well so that you're not just communicating good things, but you're also communicating and contextualizing if there was an issue or a problem how do we understand what's the just culture applied to it? And then where do you go from there? And I think being able to be an organization that communicates in a bi-directional way is really incredibly healthy to have. I'd love for you to highlight what actions you've found to have the greatest ability to impact trust and psychological safety, particularly among nurses and why. For your nursing leader to be in a group huddle with you every morning. So seven in the morning, seven at night, most of the nurses that work in inpatient do 12 hour shifts, 10 minute check-ins throughout the day. I think one of the overarching messages that I send to my nursing leaders is don't stay in your office get out of your office all day. And so it's very tempting to be in your office and to close the door and to have a moment with yourself. And that's one thing for five minutes, but the rest of your day needs to be out and about so that you're a part of the fabric, the tapestry of this particular unit. So you can also see it in a unit-based practice council and you utilize those on a magnet journey, but you really should be having a unit-based practice council, which is a council that's made up of of the nurses that work on the unit as opposed to the leadership that's on the unit. And so it's an active way for the constituency to actually use the data that's generated on your unit to be able to make the unit better by your ideas as the rank and file of that unit. It's really a constituency-based model that nurses really enjoy. That just makes me think we spend so much time focused on what the formal leader in the nursing unit can do. And I think of psychological safety, there are so many other elements, even the environment, the culture of the org, but also the relationships that individuals have with their peers. I've heard of nurses say, today's my ACEF team. These are my folks that I love to work with day in, day out. How do you see that as the role of peer and peer support across the unit in psychological safety? So I think that's a key element in psychological safety, because the second you walk on the unit, if you see a member of your own personal tribe on that unit, that you know that together synergistically, you can power through the day, you're relieved at baseline. So you start to be restoring and rejuvenating yourself from the moment eyes are on the unit when you come in. And your own personal A-team is key to that. But then nurturing the other folks on the unit is equally as important. So it's a great gift when you can take your team members that you work really well together and then be able to use that as a role modeling behavior for the other newer people on the team or people that are floated over to your team if you use floating so that you can partner with other people and do things as a group. There is 
a lot of literature that you see around how teaming actually makes the workload feel easier. Your strength as an individual can shine and it can really teach other people how to be that type of strength-based leader. Frontline leaders have a huge impact on how we all feel. And I'd love to spend some time equipping and empowering leaders, particularly on the front lines, leaders of all levels, to lead trust. So Maureen, let's spend some time having you mentor that for a couple of minutes. What's your advice on equipping and empowering these leaders to lead trust? And David, feel free to play color because I know that you have a lot of tips too. I think the first thing that nurses are tuned into, what I say we have receptors for, we get this, is do as I do. So watch what I'm doing and do it like me. So you're modeling the behavior that you want to see them pick up and model. And so in my world, what I want to see them model is the behavior where patients and families come first. And so I model that to them and have the nurses feel like they are being cared for, that they are known by me and cared for by leadership. And when you have that feeling of being known and cared for, because I come every single day and I'm on the unit every single day, then you don't get scared of me coming on the unit. Why is the person who's two rungs higher than me? What is she doing here? Why does she keep coming back? What are we doing wrong? In a fear-based way, that can really turn sour on a lot of people. And when you continually show up and you're interested and you're asking important questions because you're at the bedside and I'm not, or you're an ambulatory and I'm not seeing the patient, I want to know what your best practice is so that I can share it with other people in other units. So I'm starting to build the trust at the local level. And then they recognize that that's something that they can do with someone new too. So it's a real way that we learn boots on the ground and very close to being with the patient and family. Do you think there are new challenges just given what the past 24 months have taught us in building trust? Do you think that it's the same tried and true or has COVID made us have to rethink how we foster trust, how we build a safe space for our staff? It depends on where you were in the country and it depends on if you were in a hotbed, a really big hotbed. But I think in general, it's very different now because of COVID for the most part. If you were a big epicenter and Florida was that. So I feel like there's issues about being able to trust externally messages that are given and messages about COVID, messages about vaccination hesitancy. So there's all that that really layered itself over a pandemic and shortages of professional nurses. I think this was an incredible, unique sad situation and nurses were put in a spotlight specifically. And it's not like us to be in a spotlight like this. We are usually very humble and very quiet about what we do and very private about how we care for patients and families. And I think that made us feel somewhat outed in a way because what we do is a private moment at sacred spaces of, you know, if patients are dying and going through a tough time. So there's a lot of work that we have to do in our head and in our heart. It was a very trying time for a lot of people. And so I think now rolling back and creating a pathway to resiliency is incredibly important. And it's one by one by one. I've worked with hospitals all across the country and you do see different waves with a compared combat deployment and the concern around mental health pandemics following multiple deployments for soldiers on the front line. And if you Mm -hmm. think of COVID, we've had multiple waves The only difference is we haven't had the rest and recovery period that you see as a required mandate between deployment. We know that there are mental health pandemics 
but we still have a culture where in the industry, it's difficult to foster trust. Anything else that you're doing or tips that you'd recommend for folks in a leadership position to help think about creating that space? So some of the very simple things that we have done that have been amazing and are easy to do is we created something called Tea for the Soul. And every day at 2.30, the food service employees, the workers that work in food services come on the floor and serve coffee and tea and hot cocoa. Initially, we started doing it for patients and families. And then we realized that the nurses loved it. And so we said, absolutely, we have to do this for everybody and go in and have that tea with a patient or a family and share some time with them. And I think that that was something that became so popular that the night shift wanted to do it as well. And we said, absolutely. What you do for the day, you always do for the night. And nurses know that. I think when you're creating an environment that enables adults to be creative and to be innovative, like we know how long the corridor is that we're walking and everyone uses their phone to be able to clock your pedometer miles that you're doing, and then you're getting rewards for that. So we're really trying to create a better, healthy environment to eat and to be drinking smoothies. And we just did like a lot of fun things that gave people pause for a few minutes to say, wow, thanks for doing that. That's so kind. That's so sweet. And so I think those are the kinds of things that it may sound simple, But when it's done in a kind and loving way and it's done genuinely, I think it's met with gratitude. You know, we hear over and over a best practice on this show is the power of listening. And I'm pretty sure that both of you would agree to that. I'm curious, Maureen, do you have a key question or a type of question that you've seen fare well in building relationships or fostering trust, really opening up a dialogue or a conversation that does that? There's two things that I like to say. One is help me understand something. Help me understand why it got this way or help me understand how I can be helpful to you to make things change. One thing that I always tell my staff is to remain curious about something so that if you are in a situation where you're trying to understand something, It's important for you not to react to what you're hearing someone saying. Remain curious about why this is happening. Once you remain curious, if you can get through the next few sentences, you start to have an aha moment because you haven't interrupted and you're realizing, I might have never thought that way that they're thinking. And thank you for explaining it to me because I wouldn't have thought that that was why, because the lens of a leader is different than the lens of a person that's straight at the bedside. So you want to be able to understand different folks' perspective of why it is something like this is going on or why it is that we should be doing it a little bit differently. So I use those two concepts in order to move forward. I'd love to listen more actually about a story, perhaps a leader on your team that you admire, want to bring attention to for their own ability to build trust and psychological safety, how it really is unpacked and put into action. I work very closely with the chief medical officer, and she has a way of understanding and a way of her curiosity comes out in a way that is always incredibly respectful, but it's incredibly respectful in her own unique way. And what I mean by that is she's an intensivist by background. So the intensivists are people that run the ICUs and she's practices and she also leads. And so those are two very different venues that she'll find herself in. And in the remaining curious she has a humble nature that when she asks 
something, she says, may I please suggest da da da. Like whenever she is thinking and you can see her wheels are turning and thinking all the time, how she comes across as a physician is to humbly ask or to may I suggest that it be done like this. What do you think about that? And I think to be able to lead in a way that you're inviting consensus or you're inviting a more robust conversation, you know, she'll kick it off to start it off and you'll go somewhere with it, but she's pulling in the group of other leaders to be able to say, okay, well, let's think about this. And what if that happens? And it kind of rolls naturally when she kicks it off like that. So I feel like that's something that I'll always take with me because it's so effective as it lowers the anxiety or lowers the competitive nature of leaders that can be competitive at some time to really creating a consensus. And I think that's a powerful way to lead. Maureen, this has been such a meaningful conversation. So many powerful takeaways that I'll be summarizing here in just a minute. But before I share those, we're going to jump over to our lightning round to learn a little bit more about some of your favorite things. We'll be right back. Loneliness and isolation have been growing problems over the past decade, and then the pandemic really accelerated both. I'm thankful to work with partners like Even Health that bring products like Cabana to the workplace and allow employees to have conversations and support on tough topics. Thank you, Even Health, for all you do to fight mental health stigma and give people places to heal and be comforted. All right, it's Nikki, and we're back on Gut Plus Science with Dr. Maureen Fagan and David Black. And we're about to go into our lightning round. David, do you want to lead the lightning round for us today? Yeah, that'd be great. All right, Maureen, are you ready? I'm ready. I love the lightning yeah. round. <laughs> <laughs> favorite book of all time or just a favorite recent read? Okay, so I have two favorite books of all time. One is The Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pallon, and it changed my life around eating and around the food industry in the United States. And the other one is by one of my archetypal leaders, Brene Brown, Daring Greatly. I love that book. Next one, favorite hobby when you're not working. My most favorite hobby when I'm not working is gardening. I learned how to do it in zone 10B down here in Florida, but I'm from 6B. And so I love gardening, all kinds of amending soil. And for those of us that don't know where zone 6B is. That's in Boston. (laughs) Where is your favorite vacation spot? My favorite spot is Cape Cod and being on the ocean in Cape Cod is my absolute favorite place. Bayside, Cape Cod. And finally, how can listeners connect with you after the show? I think it's fine to connect with me through LinkedIn. I think I get a lot of connection through LinkedIn and I really enjoy it. So yeah. Well, thank you so much, Maureen. This has been wonderful. I've really enjoyed the conversation and uh, appreciate you sharing and being so transparent. It's about everything that you're doing, that you're learning from with leaders. You've given me something to take away. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. David, you were an excellent co-host and Maureen Fagan. It was so great to have you back on Gut Plus Science today. So many key takeaways. My paper is filled and I'm going to summarize three of my favorites. So here's my truth you can act on from today's episode. Number one, do as I do. As a leader, we must remember that we model behavior and we must remember to model behavior. Be proactive in how you show up and be aware of how you're showing up. For example, one action Maureen spoke of is getting out of the office, getting out of your office and being with your people. 
Number two, create rituals for your people. Like Maureen spoke of tea time in their workspace. It's a time on a regular cadence to unwind, relax, breathe, connect with others. Just making time for practices that encourage healthy breaks and time to rejuvenate. And number three, ask powerful questions and stay curious in your way. So Maureen's favorite question that she shared with us is, help me understand. Guys, thanks again for another great episode and way to kick off Healthcare Month. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.